0: Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson.
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, the off-season edition. This is episode number 187 of the world's greatest Reds podcast, especially if you've never listened to another one. Joining me again is my good friend and yours from RedsMinorLeagues.com, by far the best Cincinnati Reds-related site on the internet. That's Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm pretty good. I'm feeling a lot better after the introduction, too, though. Oh, right, I know. Uh-huh. So, how are you doing, Chad? Nah, doing well. Um, are, are we missing the Reds? <laughs> you know, I started to say I'm missing the Reds, and I do miss watching them every night. Uh, but it's also good to have a little bit of a break, and we're getting some pretty good baseball uh, with some of these other teams that, are, for some reason, are still playing.
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on and why the Reds aren't playing and the other teams are. Um, like you, I'm definitely missing the Reds, but I am enjoying the baseball. So, I mean, it would be better if the Reds were playing and I were enjoying Reds baseball, but uh, there, there's been pretty good playoff baseball going on so far.
1: Yeah, hopefully soon we'll have those Reds again but uh, in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's uh, been a, some, a lot of drama, some comebacks, some uh, surprises. Uh, <laughs> you know, a, a lot of our listeners are not, and here I'm presuming that we actually have listeners, uh, but a lot of our listeners are not big Indians fans. You know, it's the Ohio thing, I guess. But, uh, man, it was so brutal watching the Indians, and I didn't prepare that we were going to talk about this, but I just want to mention quickly, watching the Indians uh, win the first two and then come home in that division series and blow it, boy, does that remind you of anything? I have no idea what you're talking about
2: or referencing, um, so but, no, no, I do not. I appreciate your you ability you, to... You don't have to explain what it is, either. <laughs> I, I think that uh, everybody has the internet, and if they want to look that up on their own, they can.
1: Yes, let's not talk about it, because you talk about a just brutal uh, you know, gut punch. Oh, man, I've still got my 2012 uh, Reds World Series tickets. Chad, Sorry. Why, I why, I why'd you have to go Sorry, there? Sorry, I, I, I can't stop. Uh, <sighs> okay, let's get back to talking about the current Reds, because <laughs> okay. even though they're not in the playoffs, still always interesting to talk about... Um, so I guess uh, Dick Williams, the intrepid general manager of our Cincinnati Reds, I think I can call him our Cincinnati Reds, had a pretty interesting interview this uh, this week with uh, the guys over there at the Enquirer, Trent Rosecrans, Zach Buchanan, our friends uh, and neighbors. And uh, you, did you see that? What'd you think about it? I did, and for those of you who didn't, you really should check it
2: out. Um, there was a lot of really interesting things that he said. Now, the the thing that stuck out to me the most is he kind of addressed. You know, now, as, as the minor league guy, it, it obviously kind of registered with me a little bit more. But, you are the minor league guy. Yeah.
1: The. I, I, I try to be. Not I just mean, a minor league guy. You're the minor league guy.
2: I mean, there, there are a few other guys, but they're all working for the Reds. So, uh, exactly. Which, by the way, guys, if you're listening, I, I am willing to, uh, to work for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, basically, they, they asked Dick Williams, you know, what what do you kind of foresee for Nick Sinzel in the future? Uh, and this kind of came off of a question where they addressed Eugenio Suarez and his future with the Reds. Uh, and Dick Williams basically said that he sees Suarez as the third baseman, which obviously leads to, well, what are you going to do with Nick Senzel, the right. number two overall pick two years ago? Um, Dick kind of basically said, yeah, I, I actually, I'll bring it up and I'll read the exact thing that he said. He said, I think it's fair to say with Nick that we need to keep our options open with him because we think eventually we want that bat in the lineup. So we need to find out exactly what our options are with him. I think it's most likely second or third. He can also play short, but I wouldn't characterize that as his primary position. I'm sure he could also play the corners if needed if we wanted to go there as well. I'm assuming he's meaning corner outfield spots. Um, We don't want to bounce him around too much. I'm a believer that players of his caliber, they can play one spot. They're going to continue to develop, and they're going to get comfortable, and they're going to hit. Nick doesn't seem like the guy that needs three months in left field to be able to go out there. So fascinating. Yeah. I, th- there's a lot of different options that he kind of yeah. threw out there for basically the guy that I feel that everybody believes is the Reds top prospect. And if there are a few people out there that think it's, it's Hunter green. And I, I can understand your point with that. If you do believe that, you know,
1: Yeah, I'm not going to argue he, with he, you, but
2: he, he's years away. Whereas everybody believes Sinzel is going to be here next year at some point, whether you're a person that believes that's going to be at the end of April or somewhere near you know, the end of the season. Next year, everybody's expecting Sinzel to be up here, and the general manager basically just said, well, we're not entirely sure where he's going to play, but it's probably not going to be where he's played his entire professional career. It's
1: fascinating to me because it brought, brings to – well, there's a lot to unpack here. The first thing is it brings forward some possibilities that really I hadn't considered. I hadn't th- thought of him being a corner outfielder, but there's no question he could do it athletically. Um, so, you know, it, it, it opens up more options. I've been uh, in favor of moving Suarez for a while. Move him back to shortstop if you have to. I think he could handle it. I don't think he's going to be a gold glover. Or move him uh, over to second. He can definitely handle second. But uh, the more I watched him this year, I, I've sort of gradually come around to the idea that, man, we've got such a good thing in Eugenio Suarez at, at third base. Uh, you know, gold glo- he, he won't win the gold glove, but gold g- glove level defense uh, along with that bat. And so, you know, uh, are you going to mess with that? So I mean I can see wanting to leave Suarez there, and, and I can't argue with it at this point. I couldn't argue with moving him either. But uh, I like the idea that, he, that Dick Williams has now sort of officially addressed what's well, kind of been the elephant in the room for a few months among all of us that talk about the Reds too often, which is, you know, what do we do with Sinzel? And um, it, it seems to me like second base looks an awful lot like it's, uh, it's the eventual destination. It seems natural. What do you think? Because he played a lot at second base uh, for University of Tennessee in college. Yeah, I,
2: I was going to bring that up. You know, that's that's kind of where he played for the first two years at Tennessee, and then they moved him over to third base where, to be fair, he, he looked more comfortable. He, he transitioned to that position well. In um, But, you know, scouts even leading into the draft, there were some out there that said, you know, if, if we were to draft him, we'd play him at second base because – you know, that's, it, it's a more valuable position. If a guy can actually play there, it's going to bring that player and the team more value if he can also play third base. Um, you, you just expect a third baseman to hit more. That's
1: all. Um, I was just quickly, coming in coming into his professional career, I was of the mind that this is a guy that can, is going to be able to play either one of those because I found a quote. I was writing a piece about him for Cincinnati Magazine about Sinzel right after the draft, and I found a quote from his college coach at uh, University of Tennessee. It was not Butch Jones, who's going to be fired any day now as the football coach. Um, we'll talk about college football in a minute, Doug.
2: All but, right, I'm, I'm down. <laughs>
1: University of Virginia, 5-1, and one, hop on the bandwagon now. Um, but he said if it were up to him, he would start him out in, in pro ball as a shortstop. He said he thinks he can handle it athletically. Now, the Reds didn't, and I don't fault the Reds for not starting him as a shortstop, but just the idea that, he, that his college coach thought he could handle that athletically means to me that... Uh, Third base, shortstop, wherever you decide, he's going to be. Uh, he's going to be fine.
2: Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't have played him at shortstop no. either.
1: Um, he did play some shortstop in college, not much, but some.
2: He, he did, and I, I'll, I'll be honest. I've, I've said it before, so this isn't me, you know, coming out and saying it. Now, I, I believed even before the draft that was just kind of a thing for. His coach to try and give him a little bit more buzz in the draft as a possible you know top overall draft pick than anything else. Um, I mean, you can get away with a lot sure. more in college than you can in professional baseball. Uh, but you know, well, just the fact, I, that, he, I, just I, the
1: fact I, that he had played some there, it, it wasn't like his coach was just saying it for the draft. I, th- I agree right. with you on that. But you know, at least he he put his money where his mouth was. Absolutely, and I don't get me wrong. I,
2: I think Nick Senzel an outstanding athlete. I've seen him play a lot in person and almost every day on video. And I mean, he's, he's fully capable in my mind of playing second base. Um, yeah. And as you said, I, I, if it were up to me, I would slide Suarez over there, um, before I'd slide Senzel over there, but it's not up to me. And I mean, either way, as long as both of the guys are in the, in the lineup, I don't have a problem with it. Um, what do you think? I, mean, about, they're, I, th- I think they're both going to hit, and I think either one can handle second and third. So
1: yeah, I don't think you can go wrong either way there. Which, however, you decide to do it, you know, it's one half, six of one, half dozen of the other. But what about the idea of moving Suarez to shortstop? What do you think about that? I'm not going to lie; I, I, I'd at least give it a look in
2: I spring think I training. Would. But you see? I, I, I will say this: we don't know that the Reds didn't try it, you know, this past season before games just to see how it worked, and it didn't because if you remember. Um, when Cozart went down, Brian Price did mention the idea of possibly getting Suarez some playing time there, and he did. I, I think there were there were a couple innings here or there that he did get uh, in, in the games, but you know, I, I'd have to guess that they probably did take a look at it, and it just it didn't seem like it was going to work. Um, now, maybe, maybe I'm just totally reading into the situation here, but that, that's the feeling that I get that they wouldn't have gone out and said that and then not at least tried it. Um, and you know, I. You know, Suarez is definitely a bigger guy now than he was two years ago when he was playing shortstop. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he just doesn't quite have the range at this point for shortstop. Um, but I, with the information I've got right now, I would definitely go into spring training with the idea of at least trying it early on and seeing what happened.
1: Once I heard those quotes from Brian Price that they were going to you know, give him a shot maybe here and there, if they can find some spots to try him there, it made me think, well, you know, the door's not closed to that. And, um, and what do I know if Suarez can play short? I mean, he played short before, made a lot of errors. But you know, Barry Larkin made forty errors when he was twenty-two years old or something too. So, um, and I'm not saying Suarez is going to be a shortstop or going to be Barry Larkin, but when Suarez did not play that much, he didn't. That didn't actually come to pass. You know, I still don't really have any uh, anything. Any, the eye test, I, I nothing to judge on other than what he did a couple of years ago at shortstop. I just I see that bat, and I think if he could pe- play. Even an average shortstop defensively, the, the bat's so good that he, I mean, he just, he, it, it helps the lineup. Uh, yeah, that's the way I look at it. You, you stick that guy in a shortstop, it makes everything look a lot better. So I would love to see them try it. I don't expect to see it, but I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm tilting at another windmill here, like Araldis Chapman in the starting rotation, but uh, I'd like to see it. Well, well, I actually had this
2: conversation with someone earlier. So if, if you happen to read this earlier and you're now hearing it, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it, at least in the erodis Chapman situation, they weren't both saying and doing the same thing. They were using Chapman as a reliever yeah. for a while, but still saying we want him, so we want him to start. Uh, it's just that's going to happen in the future. Right now, Dick Williams is basically saying, you know, Suarez isn't a shortstop except for maybe in a pinch, um, and he is the third baseman. So I'm definitely not expecting it um, in in my. If everything goes perfectly, then this is going to happen, mind. Yeah, it'd be great. But uh, I, I just don't see any reason to have any realistic ex- yeah. expectations that it's going to happen.
1: Don't bet the ranch on Suarez being your shortstop next year. So let's say that uh, second base and third base are where he and, and uh, Peraz, or excuse me, he and I sort of gave away where we're going here, but where Senzel and Suarez are in some former fashion. One's a second baseman, one's the third baseman. Uh, Peraz is your shortstop, I guess? Uh, that was the Jose, implication. Jose now,
2: now here, here's where this whole thing gets interesting is, you know, he, he, Dick Williams definitely mentioned that if, if they uh, don't re-sign Zach Cozart or make the calling, quali- quali- he said bring back, but you know, they're either going to have to re-sign him or offer him the qualifying offer uh, to bring Zach Cozart back, that Peraza would be the internal option they'd look at if they were going to stick with someone, someone internal. Um, now, Mark Sheldon actually wrote an article about Jose Peraza heading down to Venezuela, where he's from, to play in winter ball. Now, the quotes from Peraza were from the end of September. So you know, the season was still going on. It was you know, three weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. But Peraza had mentioned he was going to go down there and play shortstop every day. Well, he's played two games so far, and he started both of them at second base.
1: That says something.
2: So, Or does it? And and that's the thing we don't we don't really know at this point if it does or if it doesn't, uh, you know a lot of guys play out of position in these winter leagues in preference to other players. Of course, the other player that he's playing out of position for, assuming that he's actually playing out of position, is a 23 year old kid who has never made it out of Double A with a career OPS under 600 in the minor leagues. Uh, now, obviously, you don't play a guy at shortstop because of his bat, despite what we just said about A. Suarez. <laughs> right. Um, right. But. I, I do find it interesting that the guy with the major league experience is not the one getting time at shortstop versus the guy who's the same age who hasn't made it out
1: of double A. Boy, that it really is. <sighs> Again, we're trying to read minds and read something into two games there, and I, I don't know why he wouldn't be playing shortstop. You know, just from on the surface, it seems to me like he is the. I mean, he may be the second baseman to start the season, maybe. Actually, actually now, no, he won't be the second baseman to start the season. He's got to be the shortstop unless they bring Kozar right. He's got to be the shortstop because you've got I mean, You yeah, got a second I mean, baseman. The, the only
2: other option internally right now would be Zach Vincy, who they called him up in September and he got what seven at bats. Yeah, I mean, so so the, the, clearly he's not an option unless I mean, it's he can, literally the only option. Like if if three guys get injured or something, then Zach Vincy
1: going to be your option. Um, and you I mean, watch it, Vinci it, more it, than it, me. He can he can pick it defensively. He can handle the position, I think, right?
2: Yeah, I, I I don't think there's any issue whatsoever with Zach Vinci playing shortstop defensively. I'm just I'm not sure he's going to hit. Right. Granted, I feel that same way about Jose Peraza at times too. So, um, but I think it's very clear that Jose Peraza is the guy that is going to get the job if if they don't go anywhere else. I mean, if if Zach okay. Kozar doesn't come back. He's the guy. He's literally the only guy that it seems there's any sort of evidence saying this is who we're going to go with.
1: No, I think so. And and I actually have a little bit of hope that he's going to hit. You know, he's 23. Um, he, the second half of the season, you know, they, were, they had this sort of much ballyhooed change in his uh, approach to the plate, and, and it did result in some uh, some results. You know, in terms of uh, his plate approach, and he showed some progress as a kid, and he's, he's got this reputation now of you know wanting to work and get better. Um, and I think the de- I think his defense is going to get better and better and better too. I mean, I think he's got the tools physically to handle the position. That's not to say that he will become an above average defensive shortstop, but I think he's got the tools to do that. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's ever going to be confused with Zach Cozart over there, who you know was one of the better defensive shortstops in baseball. But yeah, you know, I, I think he could. I think he could hold his own. He's not going to be a, a detriment. To your to your defensive side of things, if if he gets the most out of his defensive tools.
1: Well, if we're going to compare future shortstops to Zach Cozart defensively, we're going to be uh, pretty disappointed most of the time. Uh, and the Reds have had a pretty good run of shortstops. It, Cozart had a good career, as it turns out. And you know, over the last forty years, what have we had? You know, Larkin and Concepcion, and and you know, those are pretty good pretty good shortstops. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard a few
1: a few good stories about those guys. So. Yeah, they're not bad. Uh, also, let's not forget and- Felipe Lopez. Uh Rich Aurelia. Oh, Rich Aurelia. Oh man. What about Orlando
2: Cabrera? Remember that guy? I, I do. See now, now we're getting to some good old names here, Chad.
1: <laughs> D'Angelo Oh he was a second baseman, D'Angelo uh, Jimenez.
2: That's all right, we can still talk
1: about yeah, him. Yeah, oh, the good old <laughs> days, the the early two thousands. So anyway, um let's let's say we fast forward here to July one of two thousand and eighteen. What's your red's infield look like? I mean, first of all, you probably got who Scott Haddeberg at first, mm, or no? Somebody, somebody took his. <laughs> to somebody yeah, his um, I, well, John, John something, John,
2: John, uh, John,
1: the, John Voight, John Voight. I John, knew it. Uh, you know, I know a guy that has John owns John Voight's car. John John Voight, the dentist. Um, you know that guy, huh? <laughs> I know that guy. Uh, uh, these are the types of jokes that would make my daughter roll her eyes. By the way, but you know, I can't get enough of them here on Red Lake Nation uh, Radio. I just hope I just hope everybody gets that joke. Too, too. if you get that joke, you need to send me an email at Chad at RedLegNation.com or you need to tweet at uh, at RedLegNation Radio or at RedLeg Radio, or at DugDirt twenty four or at DotsonC. I, if you got that joke, you need to let one of us know uh, that you got that joke because uh, I'm, I'm worried about our audience if nobody gets it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I think we probably skew towards an audience that would get that one.
1: I would think so. You would hope. You would hope so. <laughs> I think if I, if we said something like that on Twitter, most most of our followers would get it. So, um, so so John Boyd at first. Who else you got? July one two thousand eighteen. Uh, I, I, th- I think that you are going to have Nixon Senzel
2: at second base. Uh, I really do. Um, slide on over to shortstop. I think it's going to be Peraza, and at third base it's going to be Suarez, and then behind the plate Tucker Barnhart for a majority of the time although yeah. I, I as long as Mesoraco's healthy i'm sure they'll mix him in you know two or three times a week but i think that you know based on what all has been said and the new contract that he just got sure. he's going to be the guy that they they give the most playing time to
1: and let's talk about Barnhart here for just a moment but i think i agree with you on that uh, infield i just don't uh, i just don't see the reds retaining Zach kozar and I love Cozart. I think we're both fans of Zach Cozart. I know a lot of you are. And I was a fan of Zach Cozart. And I have it in print to prove it, even before he started hitting, uh, just based on that amazing glove of his. But uh, I just don't see how the. I mean, I'd consider it, but I just don't see how the Reds can make that qualifying offer to him, be on the hook for you know whatever 18 million, whatever it is, 17 million. 17.4. Yeah. So I. It's a lot of money, and there's, you know. He was a what almost five win player this year but he's not going to be that next year. He, he could be good. I have no reason to doubt that he'll be a good short spot but 32 years old. Ugh. It's just it's tough. It's a tough call for a team that's in this spot where the Reds are in the rebuilding cycle.
2: I I, I, I don't even think it's tough. I, I just I I cannot make the argument that it makes sense for the Reds given where they're expected to be in 2018 unless they're just, you know, fully going on everything goes perfectly right with our plan. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna really compete for the playoffs. I mean, unless they've got a plan to make moves that we just can't see right now, uh, that that much money to a player in a in a season where you're not gonna really push for 85, 88 wins, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. You you could better utilize that money both now and in the future. Yeah, uh, from I mean, where I'm sitting, and it, and I, that that's nothing against Zach Cozart. I, I think that he would be worth that money next year for somebody, even if he does decline, which I expect him to. Yeah. I, I do think that he's worth that money it's just he's not worth that money to this team in this situation
1: yeah he'll, he'll likely earn that that contract if he were to you know get it and play for somewhere else but you know my I got two two things there number one uh, as much as I've been trying to get the Reds to hire me as well uh, this is you know I, I, I you get emotional about these guys you like and and i you try not to let that skew your analysis but um, it's just hard to let a guy go and that's why i say it's a tough decision it's probably not a tough decision if like you're trying to, you know, sort of look at it rationally and objectively, and to me, I just it's a tough because you know what the right decision is, and you like the guy and you hate to see him go. But you're, from a strictly baseball-related uh, standpoint, it's not that it's not that tough. Um, so you know, I don't know. It's uh, I hate to see Cozart go. Probably it's uh, it's about that time, and I, I I'm optimistic about Perazza. At shortstop, uh, again though I'm getting myself in a, in a situation where I was optimistic about Billy Hamilton this year based on his strong second half the year before that didn't come to pass, um, so maybe it's fool's gold with Peraza. but uh, but he doesn't have to hit that well to be a uh, you know a quality shortstop. There aren't that many good hitting shortstops anyway. So
2: no, there's not. But it, at the same time, even with his quality second half, I mean that was he had a 640 OPS in the second half. Is that good? Uh, it, it, that is not good not um, right. it, that did that did come with a 333 on base percentage but um, that means that he he slugged 307 so uh, it, 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 it's nothing against Jose Peraza, but he he has to he has to hit for more power than that even if he is going get on base a little bit I understand that he can steal some bases and provide base running value but it's it's incredibly difficult to be any sort of viable offensive everyday player if you're gonna slug 307.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Um, okay, I want to talk about Tucker Barnhart quickly because okay. he, he did get the big contract. But first, I'm going to ask you a trivia question, and this is a question designed to see if you've been paying attention to my Twitter feed.
2: Uh-oh.
1: Doug, yeah, I know, right? Look at him quickly pulling it up to see if everybody can find it. Hold on. I'm going to
2: stop you right there. If anybody's looking right now, please get the cameras turned off. That's creepy.
1: Okay, go. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Which... Cincinnati Reds starting pitchers. Who are the top two Cincinnati Reds starting pitchers by wins above replacement in two thousand seventeen? For the Reds? For the Reds. Which starting pitchers were top two in, in baseball reference wins above replacement?
2: Oh, see that's what I was gonna ask. Are we going
1: baseball reference or fangraphs? We're going baseball reference.
2: Okay. We're the top gonna go two with two
1: starting pitchers.
2: We're gonna go with Luis Castillo. He's gonna be on
1: both he's gotta be on both lists. He's number one, yeah, I'm sure of it. Um and Luis Castillo in his rookie season, two and a half wins above replacement in, you know, half a half a season.
2: I mean, I—I'll be honest, I—I—I I, I didn't see it on your Twitter feed, but I'm going to go with Sal Romano.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. We have some excellent consolation prizes for you, Doug, but uh, but you're not the winner today. Oh, see,
2: if you'd have gone with Fangraphs, that that'd have been right.
1: Would it have been? It would have been in uh, Baseball Reference wins above replacement. Tyler Molly.
2: Yes. <laughs> made, no, I'm sorry that I. Who made I, four I, starts. I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of pitchy war, no matter which I version agree. we're going with. But you, there's just there's no convincing me that that a guy who threw 20 innings was more valuable than what what a guy like Sal Romano brought. I, I, I agree. it just doesn't make sense. It, it, Romano it, it, had a good year, and it, and, it, and it's not even like you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sal had a nice ERA in 20 innings. But he had like like eleven walks and fourteen strikeouts. Like I, 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 you, you can't, you, you cannot mix the numbers well enough for me to be like, yeah, that was the second most valuable starting pitcher. Like it just, it just doesn't work for me there. I'm sorry. No,
1: I, I agree. I agree 100. And I love Tyler Molly as a as a player, but Sal Romano impressed me as much as uh, he probably Sal Romano in terms of somebody who exceeded my expectations exceeded my expectations in 2015 more than anyone on the team. Uh, you know. But his uh, baseball reference wins above replacement zero point two, wins above replacement.
2: That that's a tough one
1: for that's me. That's a tough one. Tyler Molly I mean, was zero point I mean, six. If
2: you look, if you look at, I was actually looking at this earlier today, so I know this. He had an ERA plus of ninety nine, which means that he was league average. He's dead average as a rookie, twenty three year old rookie, right? For, for what? For, it's like eighty or ninety innings? Yeah. How was how that? Like that's, that's, that's valuable. How was that? How or how was that zero point two wins above replacement? Yeah, I just
1: don't understand. Yeah, that seems like a valuable player to me. That seems like Mike Leake, you know, that we were very happy with for so many years. You know, a yeah, league average yeah. starter, and, and and the best thing is he did that as, in, in his first season. He, he, I expect him to get better. I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm on the Sal Romano bandwagon, and not only because he's named after a character in uh, Mad Men, which is one of my favorite shows.
2: I'm pretty sure that uh, he was named after his father, oh. but.
1: And Madman uh, also well, wasn't around when he was born. But, but, but still, but
2: also also that part. But we'll we'll just ignore that one. <laughs> but, uh,
1: the The point I was trying to make really was uh, well, Tyler Molly was good, but the Reds' second best starting pitcher had zero point six wins above replacement. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's
1: it, also the top two there, or top three if you include Romano in there. First of all, Castillo wasn't even a red until halfway through the season. He was in double A halfway through the season. You know, Molly wasn't even up until the very end of August. Romano was up early but then uh was hurt and and none of them pitched that much. And so that's how bad. That's a, a good illustration of how bad the rotation was and why I expect them to be significantly better next year. But it it all depends on health and I'm not willing to bet on the health of any Reds pitcher.
2: Yeah, no. We we've discussed that before and uh, it's it's painful to look back at it, so uh, no. um, hope, hopefully they're hopefully they're healthy next year because if they are, I'm with you. I, I think that's a a big step forward without really acquiring anybody else.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and just to uh, there were t- actually two Reds relievers who had more wins by replacement than Molly. So the second and third highest on the pitching staff. I'm, I'm sure you can imagine the second highest wins by replacement among Reds pitchers. Uh, Iglesias, or wins 2.3 a replacement and the next one third best the third most valuable pitcher by baseball and again yes we can argue about how, you know there are lots of complaints and lots of reasons to be suspect but the third best Reds pitcher this year or the third you know most uh, valuable Reds pitcher this year by Windsor replacement Wandy Peralta who had a fine season I guess but uh you know come on. It was, it yeah, just, that's... That's ugly. Uh, Tucker Barnhart. That is, that is rough.
2: <laughs> Tucker Barnhart. You like Tucker Barnhart? I do. I, I'm a Tucker Barnhart fan. Um, I, I'm a believer that defense is more important up the middle. That's, you know, second base, shortstop, center field catcher than Billy, offense is. Billy, and, Billy Hamilton. <laughs> and, and t- Tucker's one of the better defensive catchers in baseball. Billy. Um I mean, you know, the area that people talk about him not being as good as some other guys is, you know, pitch framing. But I, I think there's a lot more to that than the numbers are telling us, anyways. Um, and he's excellent in every other aspect defensively. Billy. So, Billy Hamilton. <laughs> why aren't you talking about Billy Hamilton? Because you said we we're going to talk about Tucker Barnhart. Oh, I know, even.
1: but I that's I some opportunity. You're there.
2: Crazy obsessive <laughs> Billy Hamilton fan.
1: Um, now I agree with you about T- Tucker, and and. I said just a moment ago that Sal Romano did more to sort of raise himself in my estimation than anybody, but I think actually, you know, Tucker Barnhart is right there. I, you know, I've always expected Tucker, who's been a longtime friend of Red Lake Nation Radio, so I'm biased. He's been on uh, two two or three times. He's been on the podcast and actually just uh, a couple weeks ago agreed to come on again during this off season. so we're going to be catching up with Tucker Barnhart. Good kid, local kid, but I kind of expected him to be a guy that had like a 14-year major league career all as a backup. You know, I... I, I he did enough things well to stick around. That's, that's kind of who I saw him be. And, and, and that may end up be where he ends up as a, as, a, as a long-term backup. But this year, you know, roughly a league average hitter and defensively elite. I mean, uh, you, right, pitch framing he's not looked so good. But every other metric, Tucker Barnett looks as good as anyone in the majors. And, and I did not see that big leap coming uh, before this year. Maybe I should have because he was a minor league Gold glover as a, as a catcher.
2: Yeah, I think the the big strides that he made were were at the plate, and you know, I mean, that that might just be one catcher's develop later because they they focus so much on the defensive side of things in the early part of their career. And two, let's be honest, the baseball was juiced this year, so you know, may, maybe that helped him out a little bit. And then the third thing, he just got more playing time this year. He he was probably able to find a more consistent rhythm than he's been able to for quite a while. Um, you know, we we always like to think that guys can just come off the bench and be what they always were but it's it's not that easy you know you you generally need to see pitching consistently to be able to perform at a high enough level and you know as as a catcher it's not always easy to do that especially as a backup catcher where you know maybe you're only seeing you know 10 12 plate appearances a week versus you know the other guy who's seeing 25 to 30 you know having things having things switched like that 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 may have been a big key for tucker taking
1: that step forward yeah, and you're absolutely right, Doug. Uh, Billy Hamilton is the best player in baseball. But back to Tucker. Um, here's what I like about Tucker's season at age 26. Again, the defense. There's no complaints. I've got no complaints about his defense. Um, but this is a guy that, as a catcher, age 26, 347 on base percentage. You know, and get on base a little bit. He's just not. He's not going to hurt your offense. Give me a league average uh, catcher with uh, or a league average hitter. With great defense at catcher, I'll take it every day. And so he's, it's sort of sort of flipped for me. I think he could maybe for the next two or three years be the primary guy, if we're talking like a sixty forty, uh, you know, playing time sharing situation. Um, and then if after Mesuraco leaves at the end of this coming year, maybe more than that, as long as his health holds out, because uh, it's going to be a while before the Reds have someone else to pair with him. I think uh, it's going to be at least a couple years. You know, Tyler Stevenson's away. I'm not sure I'm sold that Chris Oakey can be that guy. And so, uh, so Barnhart's going to get his chance the next few years. And I thought it was a really good signing. I th- actually, I thought I thought the Reds kind of made away like bandits on that uh, contract extension with Tucker. Tucker Barnhart. It seemed to me to be pretty team friendly. I see why Tucker Barnhart would want to grab it, but uh, but I liked it. I liked it both ways.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on my initial reaction. I thought well, that's that's a really good deal for the Reds. Uh, I'm not sure that Tucker's going to look back on that and think that you know he got the the most money that he that he should have, but. At the same time, money's not everything. Two, he's he's close to home. Just started a new family, so you know that 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 probably plays into it a little bit. Um, you know, him, the wife, the new baby—they're close to the grandparents. Um,
1: you it know, I, some security I, I, the next few years.
2: And and yeah, and, it, and it's not like sixteen million dollars is something to seize at. Like, I, if you gave me sixteen million dollars right now, no one would ever hear or see from me again. Like exactly. that's, no, but. Um, I, 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 I'm with you. I think that that was a, a much better deal for the Reds than necessarily for Tucker Barnhart. Uh, but again, he, he's, yeah, he's going to do all
1: right making that kind of money. Not a bad deal for Tucker either. And uh, But if he wins the gold glove somehow, and I don't know that I expect him to win it, but he's a, certainly a very good candidate. I expect he'll be a finalist. Uh, if he does get that gold glove, it might start looking like an even more team-friendly contract. But uh, really happy to have Tucker in the in the fold the next few years. Uh, no complaints whatsoever. About Tucker Barnhart, except that his beard is a little bit better than mine.
2: Well, you know, you, you just need to work harder at it, Chad, yeah, that's all.
1: <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe that's all I need to do is work harder at growing my beard. I, I, I mean, it, no, no
2: Shave November is right around the corner. You just start now.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: by the time Christmas rolls
1: around, you should be good. Oh, I'll look like a hockey, you know, defenseman.
2: Well, just, you know, keep your teeth and you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll have that ahead of him. um <laughs> To, to flip back to that Dick Williams interview, is there anything else in particular that you think we should uh, highlight about that interview that he had? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, you
2: know, the the one thing that he addressed that was you know more interesting than some of the rest of the stuff is kind of how he felt on counting on guys like Homer Bailey, Anthony DiScofani, and Brandon Finnegan. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, it, it seems that all three of the guys are healthy. Homer Bailey finished the season – uh, we we can debate his numbers all we want, but you know he finished season. I, I think that we all expect him to be healthy based on what we saw. Now, what we can expect out of him is a different story. But I, I think that right now it's safe to think that he should be ready to go in spring training next year, health wise. Um, you know, Williams kind of said that you know they 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 want you know things from you know and Finnegan, but uh, it, it's hard to project them to have a full season uh, just because it's the nature of the business. And um, that, that's actually a direct quote. Sure. I'm, I'm reading it off the page right now. Cause I want to make sure I got that right. Um, now this isn't him speaking. This is me speaking, but you know, I, I think he's right. You know, neither one of those guys pitched last season much. Uh, I think, you know, Finnegan had what four starts in like 13 innings, um, nothing after June, um, you know, but you know, just came out that he claims that he's healthy. Uh, he's good to go right there now. De D- Scalfani threw well in instructional league. Um, you know, he, he got through all of the things they wanted him to. Um, so it would seem that, you know, he's quote unquote healthy, ready to go for next season. Um, you know, I, I, I feel more comfortable thinking that Brandon Finnegan is going to pitch, uh, next year than I do Dee Sclafani who, uh, you know, Di Sclafani had a legitimate actual tear in his elbow, whereas Finnegan had a, a, a muscle related problem in his shoulder. And that's, I, I think those are two very different kind of injuries when you're dealing with a pitcher. Um, But, you know, it it just kind of brings us back to the situation with the pitching. You know, the Reds have all these options, but how many do they feel comfortable counting on? And I'm not sure that there's more than Luis Castillo at this point, (laughs) that they they feel fully confident that this is our guy that we're going to go with next year.
1: Yeah. I mean,
2: if if those three guys, you know, Homer, DiScofani, Brandon Finnegan, if they're all healthy, they're locks for the rotation, I think. I, I think they've all done enough. And in Homer's case, he's making too much money to throw him in the bullpen, even if he, he does struggle a little bit in spring training. Um, that, you know, they're the guys.
1: Well, I think right uh, there's your difference between a Reds team that, you know, makes some progress next year, but is still, you know, not anywhere near the playoffs, and a team that could be, you know, somewhere close to competitive is if Brandon Finnegan and Homer Bailey and Anthony DiScafani are healthy all season long, it just ch- really changes the look of, uh, of the group you're choosing from for that starting rotation. And this is ignoring the idea that the Reds go out and get somebody. But if those three guys can be healthy, and no one, certainly not me, and certainly not the Reds, is going to uh, bet the ranch on any of those guys being healthy, much less all three. But if the, somehow, if those three guys were all healthy, um, you just, you got so many more options, and you really have to think the Reds can be at least a fun team to watch i'm not willing to predict necessarily a wild card yet but you're starting to get in the neighborhood where you can start talking about something like that um but again i <laughs> i'm not gonna take any bets on any of those three uh being healthy and uh, the idea that all three of them would be that's that's we've not seen it yet but man especially like discofani this is a legit number two starter when he's healthy I mean, this guy's legitimately talented. Yeah, good...
2: it's it, the, the, those three guys being healthy would be it'd be a difference maker for the Reds. I, I, like you said, I'm not sure I'd be willing to say wild card, but I mean that's a huge step forward versus you know the what ninety something starts they got from guys with ERAs over five and a half. Did uh, yeah. they replace them last year? I, I mean, it's that that's an enormous difference in in the quality level, and you know it would also help the bullpen out as it would give them more options internally. Uh, in, in that aspect of the game, because they can take, you know, guys that maybe they have to rely on as starters right now, just because, you know, those guys may not be healthy, and slide some of them into the bullpen, um, you know, and, and it just it just gives everything on the pitching side more options, more stability, um, and you know that that's really been the bigger issue for the Reds over the past couple of years is just the amount of. Guys that were so bad pitching both in, in in the rotation and in the bullpen because of all these injuries.
1: Well, those guys being healthy, you don't give starts to Tim, and I like Tim Adelman, but you don't give starts to Tim Adelman and Bronson Arroyo and Asher Wojciechowski and Lisalberto Alberto Bonilla, who, again, I will say for the fifth or sixth time on the Red Nation Radio podcast, has the, uh, he's not a Red anymore, but I love saying that name. Liz Alberto Bonilla. Say that for me one time, Doug. <laughs>
2: That one for me time, Doug, right, something like that. No. Uh, but I'm, you're, I'm, not to, you're not giving starts.
1: You're not giving starts to those guys, and you know that's a big, big you know. Actually, Wojciechowski's ERA as a starter was a you know eight something. Lisa Alberto Benia, eight point one. Um, Bronson Arroyo, let's not talk about. Uh, you know, all those guys were really, really well below average, and that that's a huge swing in what you can expect out of your team. Ugh. Now, here, here's a here's a fun little game for everybody to play. Let's play a fun little game, Doug.
2: Go to baseballreference.com and type in Asher Wojciechowski. Good luck on spelling that. I might be the only one alive that isn't named Wojciechowski that can actually spell that without looking it up. <laughs> but look at his game logs and then sort by team. He actually picked really, really well against everybody in baseball except for the Cubs, who absolutely destroyed him. Yeah. I, his ERA was like, I, I I'm pulling this one out of, my memory, it was either sixteen something or nineteen something. That's not good. Versus, versus everybody else, it was like three and a half. Really? Yeah. So just don't let a pitch against the Cubs, which unfortunately <laughs> you you play twenty times a year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, and maybe Asher Wojciechowski can be a very good major league pitcher. Uh, but yeah, they they definitely beat his brains in last year. But he was very successful against everybody else. Look at his stats
1: as I, starter, reliever too. I think he's got a chance of being in the bullpen next year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> His splits uh, weren't
2: his splits weren't bad. Uh, between no, start, uh, no, it, 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 it's funny. You know, you look at his, his peripherals. You know, he had 64 strikeouts in 62 innings with just 19 walks. I mean, those are good numbers. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, then you look at his ERA and it was six and a half. Right. Um, that that's that's not a good number. Not so, a good number. So, and I I think the, the big key there is that he gave up 14 home runs in his 62 innings, which is that's astronomically high.
1: Can't do that at Great American Ballpark.
2: No, and, and to be fair, that probably was part of the problem, but. You know, 14 home runs in in 62 innings. A lot of those are probably going to go out in a lot of places.
1: Since you're at Baseball Reference, looking up Asher Asher Wojciechowski, that's W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-O-W-S-K-I, instead of looking up Wojciechowski, go look at Luis Castillo and just admire that brilliant stat line from his age 24 (laughs) rookie season. Oh, I love Luis Castillo. Yeah,
2: it's nice, isn't it?
1: Oh, man, it's gorgeous. He's almost as good a baseball player as Billy Hamilton. And that's my opinion. Yeah. He's almost. He might. Good, he,
2: yeah. he might even be a better pitcher. Might be.
1: Well, now you're just being silly, Doug. Oh, Well, then, if you've ever met <laughs> me or talked to me before, you know that. <laughs> All right. Um, here's a question. We started new uh, at Redlegnation.com, and you guys need to be going to Redlegnation.com every day. We, we're talking about the Reds, but we had a uh, sort of a question and answer session and a new, a new uh, feature that we have at the at the site called Three Reds Questions, and one of the questions. And I'm going to go ahead and give you my answer, and then I'll let you uh, answer it after that, Doug. The question was, which one of the red starting pitchers, age 25 or younger, do you expect to take the biggest step forward in 2018? Now, I think I know what your answer is going to be. I look forward to hearing it. We haven't talked about that be- before. But here's the question again. Which of the red starting pitchers, age 25 or younger, do you expect to take the biggest step forward in 2018? Now, my money on that one is the guy that we talked about a little bit earlier, is Tyler Molly and uh, I may be reaching a little bit there. He's the youngest of that sort of core group that we have of young pitchers, but he's adjusted very well. Every time he's bumped up a level in the system, he, uh, he's going to endure, endure uh, more struggles than in those first four starts, although he had some struggles, certainly throwing strikes in those four starts, and he had, had some good results. But he's going he's to struggle sometimes, and, and I don't think he's ever going to be a top-of-the-rotation starter, but I do think long-term he can be uh, even sort of like I would call him Mike Leake plus. You know, and, and that's not nothing. That's uh, that's that's not bad. So, you know, I don't think that Molly's going to be in the Reds rotation in April. I really don't think he'll make the the team out a spring training. He could, but I don't think he will. I do think he'll be in the major leagues for good by the end of the season. And I feel like he's going to take a really big step forward uh, in terms of being in the Reds plans. So now I'm going to pose the question to you, Doug Gray: Which of the Reds starting pitchers, age 25 or younger, do you expect to take the biggest step forward in 2018? Not that I
2: disagree with your assessment of Tyler Malley, I, I I agree with you on a lot of the things you said, but I'm going to go with Sal Romano, and here's why.
1: Mm. First off, that's we not who I expected you to say, by the way. And we'll talk about the other guy next.
2: Okay. Uh, first of it, we mentioned earlier, he was a league average pitcher for his 87 innings this year. Um, you know, nothing nothing wrong with that. You know, he's he's the second youngest guy among this group that I think that we all kind of look forward to being a potential, you know, real starting pitcher for, for the organization he, he's 23 years old right now or well sorry he just turned 24 um, but so he'll be 24 all of next year you know he, he had solid numbers this year depending no matter really what you look at you know didn't give up a bunch of home runs you know walk rate could have been a little bit better but it wasn't bad you know strikeout rate could have been a little bit better but it wasn't bad um, I, I really liked what I saw from him when he started trusting his change up uh, over, over the last month and a half of the season I, I think that you know if you look back at the numbers you know, he, he performed much better when he really started throwing his change up more. Um, you know, the first two months in the big leagues, you, know, you, you barely saw it. You, you'd see three or four a game. When he started throwing 15 of them a game, um, you, you really started seeing hitters not being able to sit on things for him. And I, I think that that's going to be a real difference maker next year for him. Uh, you, know, it, you look back at his minor league record, he usually throws a lot of strikes. Um, I, I think that you know his walk rate was higher this year in the major leagues, then, you know, I would expect it to be moving forward because for a lot of the time he was only throwing two pitches. So guys could battle against him, and eventually he'd he'd walk some guys that he wouldn't normally walk. Um, I I just think that that confidence that he showed later on in the season with the changeup gives him three legitimate options to to show major leaguers, and and that's really going to make a difference for him next year. I expect the walk rate to go down a little bit and the strikeout rate to go up a little bit. And, And if you do both of those and you're already a league average pitcher, you're probably going to be a, a, a bit better than that. And and so that that's the guy I'm going to go with.
1: I, you know, I, don't, I can't argue with that one. Sal Romano is a guy that what I liked, I saw, I was, and I've said this on my podcast before, but I was in the stadium for his first start, and uh, and he was throwing hard, and he was overthrowing, and his family was there, and he was excited and pumped up. But, but what you saw after that start, and it was a while before his next start, but um, you sort of saw the wheels turning in his head. You could see him sort of develop, start to start as a major league pitcher. and Learning, and it's exactly what you want out of a young pitcher. He was getting better. He improved consistently throughout the season. And this is uh, not a, a sabermetric argument, just, a, you know. Um, I love the fact that this is a guy that was just, that was learning. We we sort of talk about uh, kids, uh, these ki- young pitchers getting it, uh, some get it sooner rather than later. And he started to get it really quickly and and made me think that his ceiling might be a little higher uh, than I expected it would be. So I like, I like, uh, the idea of Sal Romano. I can see that happening. Um, and so you say that I'm absolutely wrong about Tyler Malley. I, I did not quite. I think say that's what that, you no. said. No. Uh, well, we, 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 we can
2: rewind this and find out exactly what I said. That's, that's the, that's the wonder of these podcasts is, you know, they're, they're not <laughs> live. Recorded, we, right? we can, we, we can record them and,
1: and play them back. But what do you think about Malley though?
2: Oh, I, I think that, you know, a lot of what you said is true. Um, I, I, the reason I wouldn't pick him, and this may just be me, you know, thinking too much about the question, stuff is, you know, he no, not even, not even that so much. It's you know, he he dominated in the, in the minor leagues. So you know, while I don't expect him to be that good in the major leagues, I I, I don't think that it'd be a huge step forward for him to to be above average next year. Um, I, I I think that you know that that's a reasonable expectation based on all that he's done, um, in in his career, um, you know, in. You know, that's yeah. that's not really a, a big step forward for me when I think about it like that. Now, if we're going to look at it, you know, as, you know, he only threw 20 innings in the major leagues, and to be fair, the, the jump from AAA to, to the major leagues is huge. It's big. Like it, it's, it, it's enormous. So, anybody making that step, I mean, it's that's, that's a really big step for them. But uh, when the question was posed, I, I didn't really think him right off the bat because of what he's already done in the past. Um, so...
1: Yeah, no, I, I see it. I, I, and uh, But but still, the guy you picked is not who I, I told you I thought I knew for sure who you would pick. D- uh, can, do you, can you guess who I thought you would pick? Uh, Robert Stevenson? That's who I expected. You've been the biggest Robert Stevenson booster, um, and, uh, and you're starting to be proven correct uh, over the last few years. Um, and I, I think he's a name that could be, uh, you know, none of us would be surprised if at the end of 2018 he was the pitcher that took the starting, biggest step forward.
2: Yeah, no, I I think that we saw signs of that this year. Um, but I'll be honest. The reason I didn't pick him, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I still think that he's got some of the best stuff God, uh, that, that, that the Reds have seen in quite a while. He, he's not quite there with Luis Castillo, but he's um, close. He's close. I, he's close. I think I, he is. Know, yeah. I you know I mean if you if you look at Robert Stevenson's pure stuff, pure the, stuff. the fastball, it, it's there. You know he he's got velocity. He he can make it move sometimes. Um, you know that that splitter. I mean that that that's a plus pitch. You know the slider, plus pitch, his curveball. I mean it's at least yeah. average. And yeah. sometimes it's better than that. I mean he's got four legitimate average to better major league pitches.
1: Got those strikes. Um,
2: but that that's the thing. Uh, you know I I do think that eventually Robert Stevenson is going to figure out the strike zone. I, I really do. I've I've seen enough evidence uh, that you know he can go stretches where he he's got it. It's it's a mechanical thing that he's got to figure out the consistency with, but I've seen enough of it to think that one day he's going to figure it out.
1: And the sky's the uh, limit if he does.
2: It is. I'm just not sure that I'm comfortable saying that next year is going to be right. that time. Right. And you know, I I just I just feel more comfortable picking Sal Romano based on other things. Sure. Um. So
1: well, here's let me see what excites me. Okay. Uh, and I'm overly optimistic generally anyway when it comes to the Reds, against all evidence, but. We did this, uh, I told you about this three Reds questions feature we did at Red Nation, and we had actually six of our Red Nation writers answer all these questions. And uh, in, in this question of, of which Red start, young starting pitcher would take the biggest step forward, we all, six, six different writers at Red Nation answered the question independently of each other. We didn't talk to each other. Nobody consulted on who you're going to pick or who you're going to write about. It was just supposed to be who you really think. And we picked six different pitchers. <laughs> <laughs> and it, which is, it's crazy. Nick Carrington uh, picked Amir Garrett. Ashley, okay, I da- like that one. Yeah, Ashley Davis picked Robert Stevenson. Uh, Chad Dotson was correct. He picked Tyler Malley. <laughs> uh, Nick Nick Kirby picked. Uh, let's see. Hold on. What did I say here? Actually, it looks like Nick Kirby. No, Nick Kirby picked. Uh, he picked Robert Stevenson as well. Okay. Um, so, so two of them picked Robert. So there were five different ones picked among the six, six picks. Um, Steve uh, Mancuso picked Luis Castillo. And if he took a big step forward, oh
2: my gosh! He,
1: he, and that's what oh. he expects
2: him to be—a top-tier
1: starter, hey. close to an ace. He says,
2: "Can you imagine?" Steve, Steve, I hope you're right. And uh, I'm not even going to disagree with him. I, I think Castillo can be close to an ace too. Yeah. But oh, it's fun I to don't think about it. if he takes
1: another step forward. Well, he's up there with the Corey Klubers and the Chris Sales at that point. I mean, if he takes a big step forward.
2: Yeah, he he really is, and, and and that's what's that's what's so crazy about it is, I mean I think we all can see him doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's not it's not off the off the charts. Matt Hable picked um, Sal Romano. So of the uh, of the the you know the riders at Leg Nation. If we we include you in that, we got a couple for Sal Romano. We got uh, two for Robert Stevenson. We got Amir Garrett. We have got Tyler Malley. We've got uh who it, Luis Castillo. It's, uh, it's fun. It's fun that there's this big group of players that you can sort of, you don't have to squint too hard and see them taking a big step forward. They're not all going to. If they did, the Reds are in great shape. But uh, to me, as, as a fan, and we've been watching this rebuild, that's a really exciting thing that we have this huge group of young pitchers, 25 or younger, that could be the guy, could could take that step forward. Uh, I know we want wins. I know we want back in the playoffs. I hope the Reds get there eventually, but until we're there, that's as exciting, uh, sort of a little uh, mini, mini, uh, something to be excited about as anything else I've seen.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It again, like you said, the the wins would be nice, and I I do think they're coming. But you know, if you if you watched the Reds, and especially in the second half, and I know that September was rough um, from from a one loss standpoint, but you you could see what the Reds are hoping for. Like, it, it, it was there. A lot of the guys that, you know, you've been talking about waiting for, for two, three years, they're showing up now. And it, it's really not hard to imagine a year or two down the road where all of these guys you've been waiting on, they're, they're the anchors for that, that next team yeah. that's a really competitive Reds team.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Anything else about the Reds you want to talk about this week, Doug Gray.
2: Um, you know, I I think we covered quite a bit on this one. We did. Um, and you know, with, with the team that's not playing, I, I think we I think we had a lot of little little storylines there.
1: Maybe it's like this with every team, but I always find like there's no shortage of things for us to talk about when we do these podcasts because uh, I don't know, it's an it's an interesting team. I wish they would add some wins to the equation to be even more interesting. Um, all right, something that Doug and I have been doing recently. I think we forgot the last time we did a podcast, but uh, in other recent podcasts that Doug and I have uh, done here on Relegation Radio, we've p- been picking a movie because I guess the Reds don't have as many wins. We've got a couple minutes here we can waste on movies. Uh, Talking a little bit about movies. Doug and I are both big movie lovers, and uh, uh, let's, uh, let's hear your you – you got a recommendation or a review or uh, a movie you want to highlight for our listeners, Doug?
2: I do. Um, I watched a movie called Turbo Kid, And it's available on Netflix if you have that. You can also watch it on Amazon Video, but you do have to rent it at that point. Uh, But I figure most people have Netflix these days. Um, Now, here's the tagline for the movie. I'm going to set it up for you here. In a uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland in 1997, a comic book fan adopts the persona of his favorite hero to save his enthusiastic friend and fight a tyrannical, tyrannical... uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex Overlord. It's not really Tyrannosaurus Rex. I just butchered that word so badly. I went with that. It's impressive. Uh, and I, it it I want to say it's kind of like a, a B-rate kind of movie, but the production value isn't B-rate. It, it it's well put together. It's just a fun throwback kind of movie. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, if if you grew up watching you know bad movies from the '80s, there's a lot of references in there. Uh, to those, it, it was it was just a fun watch. Um, you know, it, it's not going to be confused with some great masterpiece, but uh, you know, for an hour and a half, it was very fun. It took me back to some things I saw in my childhood.
1: I, I really enjoyed it. I like it. I'm I'm going to add it to my list. Sounds very very interesting. I have not seen that yet. Um, my movie this week is Badlands. Badlands is one that. I, yeah, I've got some blind spots. I like to think I'm a uh, semi semi cinephile and but I've got some some blind spots, so I've been trying to go back and fill those in. And Badlands 1973 was the first feature film directed by Terrence Malick and and Terrence Malick is sort of a controversial filmmaker. He's considered uh to be one of the greats, but uh The Tree of Life was nominated for best picture and that's good, although that's a movie that I went to and uh 11 people stood up and walked out because it was so <laughs> difficult to understand, I guess, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not sure that I understood it, but I enjoyed it. Uh, he did The Thin Red Line, if you've seen that. Uh, Days of Heaven with Richard Gere was a good one that uh, he directed. Um, but Badlands was his feature film debut, and it stars uh, Sissy Spacek, I think her first film role, and Martin Sheen. Now, Martin Sheen, oh my goodness, it's it's basically about this this 25 year old, Martin Sheen, and then a 15 year old, supposedly, Sissy Spacek, and uh, they go on a, a killing spree, and it's based on a story from a. A killing spree that happened in the 1950s, uh, and that's when it's set in the 1950s. And I, I, Martin Sheen. I mean, he's a good actor. We've we've already known that, but if this is not the be, one of the five best per, single performances I've ever seen from anyone, he's unbelievable in this movie. And uh, I mean, Sissy Spacek's good, but uh, but Martin Sheen, uh, that and his uh, uh, performance in Apocalypse Now, later in the 70s, those are two of the greatest performances ever it's it's just it's it's not a real long movie hour and a half i think and uh but it's just tense the whole way and he's the most engaging character he's just like a he's a killer but he's just like somehow you like him and uh and i think it's one of the the, the best directorial debuts uh that i've seen uh for malik and i think it's malik's best film that i've seen of, of his films um just sort of a, a romantic adventure um a romantic tragedy i think is the way it's been uh been called i saw in a review so so badlands 1973 um i'm not sure i think you have to it'll have to be rented on uh on amazon to get it i don't think it's available on netflix but but worth a watch so a uh, couple of good movies there Co- recommendations for you i'm um, looking forward to looking to, at yours i've already put it on my list doug
2: well i hope you enjoy it and that i didn't talk it up too much but
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i had a fun time watching it yeah so. it sounds it sounds fun um there's another one on Netflix that I haven't watched yet, so I'm not recommending it, but I'm really interested to see. It just was released on Netflix and it's called the Meyerowitz, Meyerowitz Stories, New and Selected. And it's and the reason I want to mention it here is I, I'm dying to watch it. You need to go uh, put it on your list. Noah Baumbach is the director of it. He uh, he co-wrote one of my favorite movies, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, but he's also um, directed several really fun movies. Francis Ha is his best movie that I've seen, but The reason I mention it is, Doug, you're not going to believe this. I've seen two separate pieces that were sort of creating some buzz for one of the actors in that movie for a possible Oscar nomination. And the actor I'm talking about is Adam Sandler. Of course it was. Haven't you seen Punch Drunk Love? (laughs) He's a fantastic actor. He's great in Punch Drunk Love, and I don't know if you've seen – He really is. No.
2: He he is great in that movie.
1: Yes, and and there's this movie called – in which Sandler starred with uh, Don Cheadle – Rain Over Me is the name of it, and if I will, I will never watch that movie again. But if <laughs> I, I recommend you watch it once, yes, but I will never watch it again. But isn't Sandler good in it? He he's so good. He's legitimately a good actor, and you forget that he is because he's in all these crappy movies. Although he's in some crappy movies that I love. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Have you seen I the? you to pull those jets
2: real quick on that.
1: <laughs> Listen, I watched the Do Over with him and uh, David Spade, and I love both those guys. But that was impossible to watch. But but you're right. Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and uh, and Rain Over Me. I, Sandler has chops. He doesn't have to be in these movies that are critically panned. And evidently, he's getting some buzz in this one. I would love to see Sandler get an Oscar nomination just to see him at that ceremony next to you know Meryl Streep. It'd be great.
2: Now, here's the question: Because Sandler, he always shows up when he does these these appearances. Wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt, would he actually <laughs> oh, show please. up to the Oscars in sweatpants and a t-shirt? Oh. I want to know. I want to
1: know. And listen, I'm you know I'm a I love movies, but uh, you're not going to get me to say too much bad about Adam Sandler, so I, I hope so. And uh, what's your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Let, let, let's let's end with that one.
2: Happy Gilmore, no no question.
1: Ooh, there is a question. That's uh, up there for me. Billy Madison's still number one for me though oh See, my gosh
2: i i think i it's got to be how to get one for me i, I think that's just because that was the first one that I saw ah, yes. and it, it you know as as a you know twelve thirteen year old it just changed how I looked at laughing,
1: so the, the price is wrong doug
2: <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> all right, you got anything else for us today doug
2: uh, no, no, I do not um thanks for listening. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's what I got.
1: <laughs> there you go. It's been a fun one. You know, episode number 187, which is a crazy number. It keeps getting higher every week, I notice. Episode number 187 of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. As I say every week, uh, if you can go and subscribe to us iTunes, uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. You can subscribe to us. And uh, wherever any of those services permit you to, to give a rating or a review, it does help people find us. And, uh, you know... If you want to leave a review, if you got something good to say about us, do it, say it. If you don't have anything good to say, keep your mouth shut. You can follow us at Redleg Nation on Twitter and at RedlegNation.com every day. RedsMinorLeagues.com is uh, where Doug makes his home, but he's also writes for us at Redleg Nation. But I encourage you to go to both of them, the two best sites for my money uh, that talk about the Reds on the internet. You can follow Doug at DougDirt24 on Twitter. I'm at DotsonC. I'd encourage you not to follow me on Twitter. Because I'm just, you know, the next few months I'm going to be talking about Virginia basketball and Georgetown basketball, and uh, nobody wants to hear that. Um, also, I got to say, you know, um, follow us uh, and, and write to us and email me at Chad Dotson at dot com and, and tell us what you think of the podcast. Um, I'm really interested to know what you guys are thinking and if there are things you'd like to see us do. People, uh, just give us some feedback. Really happy to hear some feedback. And, uh, and, and again, I thank all of you. I, I know you got many, many things you can do with your free time. And the fact that uh, so many of you, and the number's growing every week, I'm just so appreciative uh, just that you take some time out of your day to download this and listen to us just talk about nonsense for, uh, for an hour. We love it. So, Doug, appreciate you talk coming on again, buddy. It's always fun to talk.
2: Glad to be on, and I cannot wait for the next one.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to do it soon. So, uh, for Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from redlegnation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app and join us for discussion of all things Reds at redlegnation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time test to gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement.